probably initially weren't ready. It was all new to us and the speed that things need to happen probably was a real challenge for us as a business, as I mentioned, that had been fairly conservative, operational focused, not a lot of experience in big transformational change projects. Welcome to the 2019 season of Smart Business Transformation, the podcast for executives with a growth mindset who are leading transformation programs. I'm your host, Ben Ramsden, and this week we're talking to Mark O'Neill, General Manager of Coal Services Health, about his experiences of leading a transformation project across his 100-person division. He shared some very candid and valuable insights with us, including how to make the case for change and getting funding right at the beginning, the challenges of starting a project in a very operational environment, and his largest challenges and learnings. Now, Mark joined what was then called the Joint Coal Board back in 2000 as IT Coordinator for Health. He then went on to hold HR and operational management roles within the division, later becoming a regional manager. And today he's a general manager of Coal Services Health, as it's now called. He's also a member of the New South Wales Mining Health Advisory Committee and holds a bachelor's degree in business administration and leadership. Now, to start off with, I was really keen to understand how he made the case for transformation and to secure funding. And as Mark explained, they had been working with very old systems and processes for a very long period of time. We'd sort of fallen into the trap that a lot of businesses fall into, and that's that you, you get a system that, that does a job for you and you just stick with it and you make modifications to it along the way and and it seems to be okay until suddenly one day it's not and you realise that the world's passed you by and, and your systems are well and truly out of date. And, and I think that's what we had gotten into. We had a, had a system that, that did the job for us, but then one day suddenly it didn't anymore. And so it was an older system. We had developed and introduced new systems in areas of, of finance, for example. So we had systems that didn't talk to each other we started to uncover some data integrity issues, uh, there were process issues, there, that led to productivity issues. So there were a whole range of things that, that we suddenly started to realise that we needed to address. And then overlaying all of this, um, we have statutory obligations under the New South Wales Coal Industry Act that we have to fulfil as well. And so we needed good, reliable systems to be able to do all of that. And so that really I guess for us laid the, the foundation and the basis for that decision that we needed a new system. So when we started the process, the first thing that we really wanted to do was to understand exactly what were our needs and what was available that would help us fill our needs. So the first step was to employ an experienced business analyst and so our business analyst uh, started a large scoping study and basically uh, she went and spent time in each of the business units around our, our regions. Um, she spoke to nearly everybody in our business to understand their role and really to understand the business needs and how they interacted with the system on a daily basis. So what were the things that were going to make their life easier? What were the things that they really needed to be able to do in a system that they couldn't do now 
and um, you know what were the the things that you know the the absolute essentials and the nice to haves, and then we were able to, to sort of start to get a clear picture of what we wanted to do, and that really led to us being able to then develop a blueprint for the new system. So once we had that blueprint for the system, we were able to then create the case for change, and it wasn't hard to do when we sat down and looked at all of the data. We realised just how far behind we were in some areas and the, and the depth of some of the problems and the challenges that we faced. So once we had that case for change, we were able to present that to the CEO and to the board of our company, and we received approval then to be able to progress on to the tender stage. We knew from all of the work that we did that the system that we required had to be bespoke. We did take some time to look at off-the-shelf products, but basically none of those really delivered everything that was critical to the success of the business. So uh, we partnered with a developer to be able to build for us a bespoke product that would fill the needs of, of the business, not just now, but as we move forward into the future. And so from there, we went to the market. Um, as I said, we, we selected the final vendor. Uh, we were able to then cost the system. Uh, we went back to the board um, with a, a costing and funding proposal, and we received approval to proceed, which we then started the process, the project. So in reality, it was probably about 12 to 18 months of work before we actually commenced. The project, so there was a lot of work done in the background. I really appreciate you spelling out at the end there how long that that process took twelve to eighteen months, and I'm interested that you said that um, when you looked at it, you realised you were a long way behind. You know, in retrospect, do you think you should or could have started this work twelve months earlier? Um, I think. We probably could have started this work about a decade earlier, and that probably would have helped us a lot because technology obviously moves very quickly and businesses evolve very quickly. And I think when I look back at our history as a business, our, our, the evolution of our business, uh, it's really been in the last few years that we had started to, to rapidly evolve and change a number of things within our business in the way that we work and the way that we do things. We probably could have started the project about 12 months earlier, but I don't think we might have, I think we would have ended up fairly much in the same spot because there were lots of other things that needed to happen and things that needed to be done, people that needed to be in place before we were fully able to kick off. So I think we probably could have started that prep work maybe 12 months earlier. Um, in hindsight, the business changed, and I think we'll talk about that as we, as in, in a few moments, over the, um, the intervening period. And so, yes, we could have started 12 months earlier, um, but you know, as we said, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and I think we probably did the best that we could at the time. Yeah, I, well, I guess what I was getting at, it sounds like there was a moment in time where this became the thing that you had to get on with. And it sounds from what you're saying that even if you had started earlier, you perhaps wouldn't have moved, apart, moved as fast. There was, there was the right time for the business. Am I sort of understanding that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think it was the right time for the business. And had we started 12 months earlier, it might have um, been at a point where 
potentially we could have ended up you know, making decisions that in the long run weren't in the best interest of the business. And so that foundation that we were able to lay to get all of those things in place to go, I think ended up being fairly critical for the project success. So you had board approval, uh, you researched the market and you came up with a, um, with a vendor. Can you explain to us some of the challenges about creating a project from scratch? Because in prior to that, your organisation had been extremely operational focused and you were having on top of just keeping the lights on and keeping the operational stuff happening to put this, this transformation project on top. H- how did that go? How did you go about doing that? It was a real challenge. And for our business, as you mentioned, we were very focused on operational um, Probably a fairly conservative type business as well, a very long history, um, you know, been around since early 1940s. So, you know, we had a very stable business model and, and as I said, we had statutory obligations that we needed to fulfil as well. So we were very much focused on the operational and for many of us, this was really the first and the biggest transformational project that um, we had undertaken and had been a part of. It, it was a real challenge. I think when I was speaking to you at one point throughout the project, Ben, you used the analogy of what we were trying to do was like change the engine of a jet in flight. And um, I think looking back on it now, it, it's actually got to the point where we were trying to rebuild the entire jet in flight, not just replace the engine. And so we had some real challenges. Um, at the same time as we commenced the project, uh, the mining industry, which we're a part of, went into a fairly uh, sizable upswing. So day-to-day business got very busy. There was a high demand for our day-to-day services. And at the same time, there were other initiatives that needed to continue to move forward. It would be great to be able to say, well, let's just stop the world and focus on our project. But the reality is that you can't do that in business. So we had our day-to-day business that was busy. We had other initiatives that we needed to keep moving forward, not just within our particular business unit, but within the wider business as well. So all of those things came into play and really presented some some significant challenges to the business. We had to identify our key people. Um, We had people that were trying to drive the project forward and at the same time being called upon to do some of these other important roles and initiatives as well. So... It became obvious to us that we weren't going to be able to stretch the people that far. Um, And so we needed to identify our key people, have them focus on project and then backfill roles. So we had a number of roles that needed to be backfilled. And that creates some challenges as well because it's not like these people, as good as they are, can walk into the business and pick up everything from day one. So it takes time to induct them, to get them up to speed and to be able to start to become productive in in what they were required to do. So that that presented some challenges to us as well. One of the other things that we had to do was to look at our business and go, well, what are are the non-essential activities that we can put on hold? So we've got all of this work. Some of it has to be done and can't be put off. Some of it we can probably defer, and some of it we probably just don't need to do at all at this point in time. So we identified all of those non-essential activities and were able to pick out of those which ones we could defer for a little while and which ones we could just put in the bottom drawer and pull them out somewhere down the track and have a look at them. One of the other things that we did, which I think has been a real success for the business, 
was that we introduced change management as a part of the project from the start. And one of the things that I had read about and had researched and had learnt from experience is that sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking of change management as something that we have to do at the end of the project. So we go and develop our system or our, our processes, whatever they are, and then we think about, well, how are we going to manage this change? And so at the end of the project, we bring in some change management people and we try to then introduce change management into the business to, to address the new system. But I took the view that we needed change management as part of the project from the very beginning. So everything had to be looked at through that prism of change. How are we going to cope with this as a business? How are our people going to cope with these changes? Not just at the end of the project, but progressively as we work through the project, because their, their lives were going to change. There were parts of the old system that we had to turn off, things that they had to do differently con consistently throughout the project. So change management became a real integral and key part of the project from the start. And one of the other things that, that we developed and delivered to the business as well was what we called the Better Health Force. And so this was a group of people that um, came from the business and they played a very key role in that change management information sharing process from the start. So the Better Health Force existed in amongst the business. They became our change advocates. They became the advocate to the project. They became people that our team could go to if they had any questions around the project or just wanted to ask, you know, have a bit of a discussion about how they were thinking or feeling about things. And the Better Health Force now also are playing a key role in training our people in the new system and will play a key role in the system when we go live in a week or so. You talked about change management there, Mark. Um, and the, the the better health force in terms of in, engaging with the rest of the organisation. Uh, what has been the reaction of the rest of the organisation? Uh, well, yeah, what what has it been? Well, one of the things that obviously, when you're doing a project this type this size, change as we said is very important. People have to feel that they understand what's happening, and they also have to feel that they're being communicated with. And it was interesting throughout this um, process, um, we other parts of the business, as we said, continue and so we were conducting staff surveys as part of the wider, the wider business. And it was interesting that in our surveys, communication came up really highly as a strength. And so we took comfort from that, that our people were feeling that they were being um, uh, involved and that they understood what was happening. Now, that's not to say that they were always happy with everything that was going on. Um, you know, change can create an environment where people feel uncomfortable and some people, you know, can be resistant to change, but nobody felt that they weren't being informed about the things that were happening. And so we, we took that as a real positive because we made that real effort to make sure that we had all of those communication channels in play um, to be able to make sure people were informed, that they understood what was going on, that we took their viewpoints and, and their, their ideas, their concerns on board, and that even if we couldn't necessarily address all of their concerns at that point, that at least they felt they had a voice that they could express how they were feeling. Oh, I see. So it's pe people felt heard, even, even if they didn't necessarily fully agree what, with what was going on. And that's it, exactly. And I think we have to realise that and accept that. In our business, we've got around 100 people work within the health unit. And when you have a project of this size, 
um, if you have 100 people working, you can almost guarantee that you're going to have close to 100 different viewpoints on how things might be and how things should be done. And it's just not practical that you're going to be able to, at every point in time, take on board every suggestion that's ever made or every idea that anybody ever has. Now, where we could, we did. And we had some really good ideas and some really good suggestions come from people um, just on the day-to-day -day functioning of the business while we were going through the project that we were able to incorporate and adapt. But at least if people um, have a voice where they think they're being heard, even if you can't necessarily act on what they've suggested at that point, they appreciate that you've taken the time to listen to them and at least given it consideration. And that makes accepting the change, I think, a lot easier for them. Now, Mark, you've talked a lot about we did this and, and we did that. I'd like to just dig into who the who the we are, if I may. Um, there's you as general manager and you've got your management team. Uh, and I guess there'll be some other bodies uh, as well. Can you talk about the overall leading of this and how you set people up and got people to adopt a, um, a leadership type role? So you're right, Ben, I'm the general manager and so I have my, my leadership team and that's made up of our regional managers and then the managers of our support units as well. So we spend a lot of time thinking about how we were going to structure the project and as we mentioned, change management was going to be an important part of that. And so we had some really good change managers that have worked with us throughout this process and, and you yourself have been involved in the project for a while which was great, um, and so we've had our change managers, we've had project managers as well that have been a key part of it. And so we had the right people, and, and one of the mottos that we've adopted <clears throat> as a business is right person, right role. And so really to try and make sure that we had the right people in the right roles was important. So as a leadership team, we needed to focus very much on making sure the project was being driven forward that we had the key people that we needed in, in the key roles. And so the people that actually have developed the project came from within the business. And some of these people, now extraordinary people, have had absolutely no project experience, no system experience, no IT experience. And yet if you were to ask them today, they'll tell you all of the frustrations they've had, but equally they'll say it's been a very rewarding experience. And so being able to identify the right people and make sure that they were trained and supported to be able to push the project forward has been really, really important. As a leadership team, it was our role to make sure that we were able to manage that change and to ensure that we had resilience built into our business and our people. And so it was important for me as the general manager to check in with my team um, to make sure that they were okay get feedback from them on what was happening within their business and how their people were coping, uh, to talk to the people within the business, to have regular communication, um, to be accessible. And so, you know, I, I think as leaders we need to make sure that in a, in a project like this or a big transformational project and where significant change is involved, we need to be accessible to people. and uh, We need to be able to be available for them to come and have a chat and talk about how they're feeling about what's going on. Uh, we need to understand and support the project, and that was really important for us as a leadership team. I like to encourage robust discussion around where we're going as a business and about what we're doing within a pro in the project and in other initiatives as well. 
that has to take place behind closed doors so everybody can speak openly and freely. But when we leave that room, we as a leadership team need to be united in the message that we're giving to the business and in what we're saying about the project. And so that was very important for me to make sure that we as a leadership team were united. And we also needed to be authentic as leaders. And, you know, there were times throughout this project, and, and it's the same with any large transformational project. There are times when things are not going right, uh, that things will run off the rails, things will happen. And I think part of being an authentic leader is to say, well, be honest about what's going on. Make people, in, I'm sure people are informed about about the things that are happening. But at the same time, <clears throat> it's also important to say, well, just now we don't know. It's okay to say I don't have all of the answers right now, but we're working on it. We're taking our time. We're going to solve this problem, and then we'll report back. And I think our people have appreciated that, to know that we as a leadership team were really um, concerned about how things were progressing, concerned about them, but at the same time, we're open and honest and say, you know, we don't have the answer to that right now, but we're working on it. Now, Mark, you touched on resilience there, and um, there's been a need to maintain momentum over many, many months, if not years. What's been the largest challenge for you personally going through this project? For me, there, there have been two areas that I think have been a real challenge. And it was really driven home to me last year how much now we talk about work-life balance. And I think the reality is that the whole line between work and life now has become really blurred. And we talk about, you know, the whole 24-7 business cycle. You know, we're on call with email. I have nurses and, and people out on site at irregular hours, so I need to be, contact, to be contactable um, in case something happens. Um, and so, you know, you bring your work home and you bring home to work. And, and that's the reality, I think, of life now. So last year, I think there were, and for this project, there were really the challenges break down into two big areas. The first is, is life itself. So life throws us curveballs. There's never going to be the perfect timing for everything. Um, things will go wrong. And so last year, for example, I had a bit of a health scare. I'm all good now, but that you know, impacted upon me. Um, my mother was very sick at the time with dementia. So I had a lot happening in my personal life um, last year, um, which created some real big challenges for myself and my family. And then at the same time, on the other side of life, we're doing this massive transformational project at work where I'm worried about the people and I'm worried about the business and I'm worried about how we're going to cope and, and to get everything done. And so for me, it was to be able to balance those two things, to be able to do what I had to do at home, do what I have to do at work and to try and keep yourself on a, a fairly even keel throughout the project. And so I think I did a reasonable job. I look back and now and I say there were areas that I probably didn't do as well as I should have in balancing those two. But I think you have to accept that, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time for everything. So you just have to be able to work through things and cope with them as best that you can. And you need a strong support network both at home and at work when you're going through some, you know, some challenges like this. And so you need a good team around you to be able to get things done. And I was very fortunate that I had that both at home and at work. The second big challenge, I think, for me was to make sure that you keep everyone engaged and positive. 
as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean that you need to know everything. And so people will respect you and stay engaged when you say, look, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. And so you need to be able to be, you know, as I said, that authentic leader. You need to work with your people. Um, and one of the other challenges that I had also was knowing when to and, and not being afraid to call a halt to things and, um, and say, look, hang on, let's just pull up and review where we're at. And that happened to us very early in the project. There was at a point where we hadn't started, we only just started the project really. We were only a few months into the development work and um, we were using an agile approach to the development and that was some challenges in itself because as a business, we had never done that sort of process before. It was all new to us. It was, it was new to us as a business. And as I said, we had people in roles that they weren't familiar with. And so, um, I found it was a bit like a game of chess. Um, when you play chess, and I'm not a great chess player, but the great chess players will tell you they're always playing several moves ahead. And so you need, in a big transformational project like this, to be able to do that, to be several moves ahead of where you are now. And so at one point in the project, it became obvious to me that things were starting to go off the rails. So I actually called a halt to the project. We stopped, stopped development, stopped everything. And we went back and checked our blueprint again and looked at where we were, where we needed to be. We had to make some changes within our design and development teams and some changes within the business. And so once we had that right, then we were good to go again. And so I think you need to not be afraid to make those sorts of calls, but you need to know when to make them. And that was a real challenge because things happen quickly. Um, things are moving fast, particularly with that agile approach to, to development. And so you need to be able to make those decisions very quickly. Stay well informed. You need to know what you need to know when you need to know it. You need to, as a project sponsor, which I was general manager, you need to be inquisitive. You need to ask questions. And so you need to make sure that you're doing that and doing it regularly. And I also found that you need to be a bit of a human shield for your team. Uh, you need to protect and filter them protect them and filter information that's coming into them so that they can do what they have to. Uh, there's lots of important things that they need to know. There are some things that come in that they probably don't need to know immediately um, and things that you can take and protect them from so that they can stay focused on the project. And, and that was a challenge, obviously knowing you know what do they need to know, what's going to help them, what's going to perhaps hinder them just at this time and so then decide how you're going to manage that information flow for everybody. Yeah, well, thank you for answering that one. So, so frankly, it's um, certainly I've, I've had the privilege of being in and out of this, this project on a few occasions over the months and the year or so. And, uh, you know, I, so I've been watching it close to and from afar. And I've, I've really seen you uh, grow as a leader as you've, as you've dealt with all these uh, things that, that, that have come across. Um, looking back, if you had your time again, what, if anything, would you do differently on a project such as this? I mentioned just a moment ago that we had adopted an agile approach to this project in developing it. And I think if I had my time over again, I'd learn more about that process. As I said, as a business, we probably initially weren't ready for that, for that process. It was all new to us and the speed that things need to happen probably was a real challenge for us as a business, as I mentioned, that had been fairly conservative, operational focused, not a lot of experience in big transformational change projects. 
So to have the agile process where you've got sprints where everything happens really quickly and then hardening and and then you're on to the next thing and you know constantly on the go, it was a real challenge for us to be able to understand what was happening and how it happened. And we all went off eventually and we did an agile course and, and learned about the basics and the fundamentals of it and how it all put how it all goes together. It's really different reading about an agile process in a textbook as to actually living it. And um, I think we would have taken some time to understand that process more, um, to talk to businesses that have been through it, that were very experienced in it, to know what to expect and, and how to work. So I think that was a big thing that we would do differently. The other big thing that I would also look at is, is how we structured our, our teams that were developing the system and the project. So we had a, um, a design team which were based in the Singleton office of our business, so in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. Um, but the development team were actually based in Sydney. So we had a couple of hundred kilometres between the teams and, and you already had people that were very different levels of skill. So um, people that were new to big projects, not a lot of experience in it. IT team that are experienced in it, have done this thing before. You know, they know what's going to be happening and how it's going to work and for our other people, you know, they're feeling their way along. And so that tyranny of distance became, I think, for us a, a barrier. Um, we made opportunities to get the teams together regularly to have good engagement, but I think looking back, we, we could have done even better in that. And if, if we could find a way to have all of the teams together in one spot working, that would have encouraged more free flow communication um, better engagement, and I think it would have saved us some, you know, some frankly, some heartache um, as we progress through the project. So that that would have been the second thing that I'd look at doing differently. And I would encourage anybody that's looking at these big types of projects. If you have teams that are geographically apart, really focus on how you get them together regularly to be able to work together closely. And the other thing that I'd look at would be education. Uh, education for all parts, all parties in each other's parts of the business. Um, we think we know what we need to know and it's not until we're actually in the middle of something that we often realise that we didn't know enough. And I think for both of our teams, our design team and our development team, and even for our external vendor, um, we all think that we know what we, we all think we know enough to be able to do what we have to do. And but it's not actually until you actually start doing it that you realise, well, I don't know everything. And so our design team had to learn a bit about, a lot about IT. Now, our IT team needed to learn a lot about health and what we do. And, and our vendor needed to understand the unique type of business that we are and the things that we do and why we do it. And so there was a, learn, a steep learning curve for everybody involved in the project. And so I think... I, before I commenced a project like this again, I'd spend a lot more time on educating everybody so that they at least have that real solid grounding and then you can learn as you go along. So I think for me, they'd be, they'd be the three real things that if I had my time diff over again, I'd, I would do differently. Mark, um, the learnings that you've shared over the last half of an hour have been absolutely fantastic i really do appreciate you joining us today and talking us through your experiences um thank you very much indeed thanks ben it's been great 
As you may have gathered from that interview, Mark is actually a client of mine through my work at the Mindset Group, and we're a specialist change leadership consultancy. And in fact, I've got an interview with the CEO of the Mindset Group, Don Holly, coming up sometime over the next few weeks. Now, I guess when listening back to Mark, the overriding impression I was left with is that knowledge can be learned, but wisdom can only really be gained through real life experience. And I guess that's really what we're trying to do with this Smart Business Transformation podcast is talk to people who are doing things surreal in organizations and sharing that with you really to give you a head start into this uh, into this fascinating yet challenging subject. And if you want to immerse yourself in any more of our material, then do please go to smartbusinesstransformation.com. That's smartbusinesstransformation.com, which is part of my Mensard company website. And if you would want to drop me a line, you can email me at ben at smartbusinesstransformation.com. Anyway, next week we've got an interview all about customer experience, or CX as it's called these days. In the meantime, do please make sure all of your transformation is smart.